Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Brian, a very good morning to you. A pleasure to have you on the show. Should I say happy financial new year? <laughs> I don't know if that's, the, if that's the right term for it. <laughs> no, we're always looking to say happy something. So why not happy new financial year? I mean, it's first of March is the, the start of the new, new financial year. And I always talk about, you know, we always think about resolutions on the 1st of January. Uh, 97% of people start diets on the 1st of January, and by the 2nd of January, they've already broken them. <laughs> so I'm always thinking of a, of a different financial resolution, and it's a good time at the beginning of the tax year because we've just had the budget. We've just had a little bit of tax saving come through. I know a lot of people uh, will need that money. We've had, we've had in the last year interest rates come down, and so many working people have got debts. That debt cost has come down. So maybe you can start thinking a little bit about your own financial plans going, to, going into the future. Mm. But Kathy, let, let me say this to you. Uh, I, I've been on radio, this is the third decade, I won't even mention the number of years, I'll rather use decades. Maybe a lot of people don't know what a decade is, but a, a long time. And I've used this program to help people and often get answers from institutions where the individual himself couldn't even get to first base. Mm-hmm. And I use the program because I, people phone me and I say, people have called me off air from SAFM or Business Day Television and uh, we want to find out answers. I mean, just to give you a couple of the problems I've got with at the moment, I've got a lady who, who went to live in Saudi Arabia, Arabia. She worked for 15 years in, as a nurse, saving up money, investing it. She's come back to South Africa to retire, and there is no money in her investment. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 the investments of those monies were placed in companies that went into liquidation. Oh. Another one I've got is a woman who's been disabled for six years, and all of a sudden, one of the companies have now um, uh, decided to stop her disability and she's got to go back to work. And the woman can't find the type of work she was doing before. Uh, she had to carry a heavy bag. Uh, she's a, lom- um, is it a, lombot- a lombotomist. She does bloods. The third person who's got a pension, government pension fund, can't get the money out of the government pension fund for over a year. And my last one is why I'm actually mentioning it today, because I'm a bit tired of netback. I've had a query from a lady about the Fundisa Educational Fund. I promoted this fund 12 years ago on air because I thought it was a fantastic way of saving for young children's education. Mm. She has written to me with a problem in January. I've contacted NetBank four times. They've taken no notice in even responding to my email till yesterday. And eventually I got a call from someone yesterday uh, and we're investing at Claire's problem. So this program does help people. I do try. I get lots more queries and lots more people asking me to help. I just can't. I just don't have time. But this program does do a, provide a service um, for many of our listeners mm. uh, and I can give them direction where to go or if they've got a problem, how to go about it. Can't always get involved in the midst of that problem. But this morning I wanted to talk about making a new year's, a, a new financial resolution because it is the start of the financial year and I think people need to be thinking about what are they going to do. And I know I've mentioned this before, but the start of any financial plan is, is what we talk about making, becoming consciously competent. And if you understand the psychological steps of conscious and incompetence, we all start in life. Uh, being incompetent. 
And we don't know that we're incom- incompetent. We're unconsciously incompetent until someone tells us we're doing things wrong. Mm. And then we stop doing those things wrong because we've been told and we become consciously incompetent. So we're conscious of the things we're doing wrong and then we move to what's called unconsciously competent. We just become confident because we've learned, we've got more skills, we've got more knowledge. But financial is becoming consciously competent, moving away from the unconscious competence, saying I've got investments, I've got a retirement fund, I've got life insurance, I've got disability insurance, I'm covering my home, I've got medical aid, but understanding what that actually means. Where does this all fit in? Have you got the right plan? Are you paying the same premium? Example, medical aid. Have you got a, a comprehensive medical aid? Do you need a comprehensive medical aid? Have you got a hospital plan? Have you got gut, gut cover? When it comes to short-term insurance, are you insuring everything from A to Z? Are you insuring your computers and your cell phones and all those things that maybe you need to, that's where the big premium comes. And when you're looking at life insurance and you're looking at um, your investments, are they congruent? Do they talk to each other? Mm. Or have you just bought bits and pieces and you've got all these little pieces that you know you've got but you don't even know how do they eventually come together and what are they all about? What, are they, what does it mean? Are you going to have short-term money, medium or long-term money? So it's doing this, res, your resolution must be putting all your financial plans and all your insurances all in one state so you can have, someone can advise you correctly is there money you can, be, can save? I mean, for example, people have got jewelry on all risk policies, and yet they have hope now. Do they need them on all risk policy? You can save a fortune. Is your home overvalued because, and I'm not talking about the sale value of your home versus the replacement value, because properties are selling a lot le- at a lot cheaper level than what you can build. Mm-hmm. But often the insurance companies just increase the sums insured, increase your home, your, your all risk. Your, your contents without you even re- realizing it. When your motor car falls in value, because every year a motor car depreciates, are you getting a lower premium? And, and that is what I'm saying about a financial plan. Draw up all the ingredients of that financial plan so you can actually evaluate and get someone to evaluate, are you paying too much or, or are you properly insured? And what are you insured for and what aren't you insured for? You know, so often people think, well, I've got insurance, haven't got a clue what that actually means. When it comes to have a claim, they find they're not insured. Mm. So it's just becoming more consciously competent of all the plans you've got because there you could save money. That money could be saved for various reasons, one, to to invest for the short term and the long term, pay off more debt, whatever the case may be. All those things come together when you do a comprehensive plan and you understand what you're doing. I I will ask 90% of people that are working, do you have a pension fund? And they'll say, yes. And I'll say, do you know what that means? Do you know how much money you've got in that pension fund? Do you know how much that money will be worth one day when you retire? Do you know when you retire and you've got this capital, mm. how much you'll actually get in income? What is it going to give you in income? How does inflation affect this calculation? So it's just becoming smarter, just looking at all the pieces you've got and doing this. And as your New Year's resolution, this is what I suggest you do. It's not difficult to do. It's laborious and, it, and maybe you don't feel like doing it but it's well worth doing it. You know, you're bringing me to to the point that I wanted to raise, Brian, and laborious is uh, the right word, but also sometimes just a bit um, nerve-wracking or intimidating because 
people often don't know where to begin and with who. So I know you're always advising us to, you know, whoever we're banking with, they have financial advisors that um, are available who might be able to assist. But I think just that process of having to bring everything under one umbrella and have somebody who's going to have the patience to work through those things with you is, is often quite difficult to find. And having that service not cost you an arm and a leg? You know, on most of the products that you've got, you are paying a fee already. You know, if you buy an investment, you'll pay somewhere between half a percent to one percent a year to that financial planner. If you've got a medical aid, many medical aids are paying three percent commission. If you've got short-term insurance, you're paying someone, you're paying probably someone commission. So you're probably paying commission, you're just not getting any service for it. So contact the FPI. The FPI is the Financial Planning Institute. If you don't want to contact your bank, the FPI, and they will put you in touch with a financial planner registered to them. And they've got short-term, they've got long-term financial planners. Get yourself a broker, a broker who's competent, that can do all these things. But I can tell you, Kathy, I can assure you, you put that all together, you will either find that you're saving money and you can do better because you may take on a bit of self-insurance. You know, if you raise your excesses, uh, if you've got a householder's policy which covers your contents of your home and you take an excess of 5,000 rand, you will save premium. And so you won't be covered for the first 5,000. But insurance is not about the little claims. Insurance is about the catastrophe. Mm, mm. Insuring in the event of premature death, not protecting your families, getting disabled. I mean, this lady that of Sue, for six years she's been disabled. Now they want her to go back to work. She's out of the... She's out of the of the system, uh, and she didn't know what to do. And in discussions with their, with with her and the insurance company, they're now helping with rehabilitation. They're helping her with consult with with people that will help her to get back. Uh, when you look at retirement, have a look at what you're doing. When you look at life insurance, have a look at what you're insured for. People don't even realise, you know, if you don't smoke, if you've given up smoking, you can save forty percent on your life insurance premiums. That's quite a significant drop, hey? So all these things, there are ways ways of looking. But you've you've got to start at the beginning. You've got to say, I'm going to do a budget. I'm going to to bring everything to the fore, every single debit. I I had a client who found me three weeks ago. Uh, He'd been a client of mine for years. And all of a sudden, he found in his bank statement, debits for 14 rand, 50 and 6 rand. Mm Mm-hmm. He's been paying them for years, didn't have a clue what they were. We investigated them. They were rubbish. But somewhere along the line, some credit card company or someone sold him something. And, you know, it's when, you don't always pick up these things. Yeah, so, yeah. So you need, but your resolution must be to do it. Oh, Brian. You you're giving us a a good wake up call, hey. And if you wanna if you wanna talk to Brian, the number to use is zero double one seven one four two double zero six. The only thing it's got me thinking is that you know one needs to uh, print out the bank statement and sit down there with a highlighter, you know, and kind of like comb through it to see uh, some of those costs that uh, might be there. And you're just not aware. You're just not aware of it. And and sometimes some of them can be something as easy as gym membership, hey. I remember a couple of years back, I'd, I joined a gym, a gym when I was still like, you know, in, in varsity. 
and um, I, 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 I still had that premium going off on my account like years later, but I, I thought I had cancelled it and I just wasn't paying close enough attention to my bank statement as I was, as, as I needed to. Yeah. And Kathy, telephone accounts, Vodacom and MTN, mm. get your billing statements. You can't believe how, how many things sometimes are on that billing statement. This is not when you're going on a, a pay-as-you-go. This is when you've got a, a, a contract. You can't believe some of the things on those accounts. Mm. Have a look at all your accounts. Evaluate everything else. Uh, you just There are things get added. Look at your credit card. If you don't pay your credit card in full, you've got no idea what interest rates you pay. Mm. You're earning 3% in the bank and you're paying your credit card company anything between 14 to 17% because you've got a, 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 a monthly debit and you're not paying your credit card in full. Add up all this wastage and then you can see that you, there may be things you can do. It may help to give you a better lifestyle, may be able to help support the family, you may be able to invest it. You know, I have a simple philosophy. I've had this all my life. I do in 45 minutes that which most people do in an hour, which means I have 32 hours a day. Mm. I have 32 45-minute hours. Brian, I'm going to go to the phone lines and the number to use to uh, be part of this conversation is 011-714-2006. Tabo, you're calling us from Kimberley. Good morning. Yeah, morning, Kathy. Hi, Brian. Tabo. Yeah, I'm a regular caller here. I must start working for, uh, for Brian, man. <laughs> Look, man, and I'm glad you're talking about this exorbitant fees and uh, hidden cost because the matter that Brian assisted with regarding mm. my late father, mm. you know, I was just going through the documents now, and I hope the people at Premier League, uh, Milling, they're listening, they're probably SFM listeners. Because now I've been, you know, corresponding with them via email. They said they're going to do a very in-depth investigation. But one of the things I picked up is a document. Uh, remember, they said uh, the reason that my father, his pension payout was only 5,000 rand after being in the company for nearly 30 years. You can imagine, you work for a company for 30 years, and uh, after you've been retained, your pension pays out about 5,000 rand. That's you know but anyway <clears throat> excuse me i looked at one of the documents because now the argument was that now half of the pension uh, they had to settle the loan that you took some time back and it was a, a home loan but mm. i can tell you there was no house that was built but anyway i can understand because when i look at that amount it was 2800 that was given as a as a loan a home loan, you know, and uh, when I look at the document, now that you're talking about exorbitant fees, the interest on that loan was over 20%. What? I think it's in the region of 21%, you know what I'm saying? On a 2,000 rand loan? For a 2,800 loan, the, oh. the, the interest uh, that they charged monthly was over 21%, and on top of that, there was a monthly fee that had to pay of about 150 rand every month. So Just I, to I pay back that loan? To pay back the and loan. how how what how how long was the loan for? What was the term of that loan? Well, I I I have to go back to the document, so I didn't get that details. But yeah. what is shocking eh, is that when he, he he was retrenched and the pension was paid out, the reason that he was paid out five thousand rand is that that loan that he took of two thousand eight hundred rand has gone up to more than. 12,000 rent, if mm. I'm not mistaken. So under normal circumstances, when the, 
the loan is being paid off. In other words, they debit your account to pay off the loan. The loan must go down because every time you're paying off the loan, so the outstanding balance gradually goes down until you settle the loan. But in this case, it was shooting up to so much that uh, when he was paid out the pension fund, half of that money was the loan that he had to pay back as a, as a, as a, as a, as a home loan. So in other words, oh. the 2,800 rand has gone up to 2000 I mean to, to 12000 rand and and I mean with with 12000 rand what he could have done with that would have been incredible you know versus the the 2000 rand that he initially took out uh, absolutely absolutely mm. so, so number one where in the world do you see a home loan uh, that charges an interest rate of about 21% because that you obviously is normal with uh, with unsecured loans yeah. and personal loans and yeah. so on but for a home loan, because it's over a long period of time, it cannot be at that uh, high rate. But that's just a small piece of the puzzle because there's a lot more information that I'm getting, really. And, and, and the, you know, I've approached, like uh, Brian was saying, I need to go back to the employer to mm. try and get the information. But I'm also getting information that's dating back as far as 2013, 2014, 2015, where I was engaging with the company to try and get uh, to the bottom of the matter, All including right. the Sunlam. So, so mm. it's a whole conundrum, but it's shocking what these people are yeah. doing. And Sunlam, you know, they, when you take a policy, there's documents that I have that shows that when he dies, you know, or when he goes on pension, he'll be paid out so much money. But then there's a document later where they say, no, his accelerated exit. In other words, he, he he goes on pension before the date that was predetermined. But I mean, it's not out of his own doing. The company restrained him. So that money was never paid out. And mm. the other shocking matter is that what I'm seeing that I've seen in the document, in the policy document, they say one of his beneficiaries, his wife, in the event that his wife passes away, the wife will be paid out 1,500. I mean, that's like around um, 2,000. You know, it's hardly 20 years ago i mean yeah. really what i'm saying is what kind of insurance insures a person for 1500 and i can tell you my mother passed away in 2011 all right never that 1, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to leave it with you because i also want to give other callers an opportunity uh, to come on but uh yeah you know the fine print of these documents is important neilan you're you're on the road good morning good morning kathy good morning brian i thought you guys are well morning neilan I've just got a question, Brian. I'm not too sure if it's off topic. I purchased a motor vehicle over a six-year term, right? Um, and with that motor vehicle, I took a residual. So I've been saving up my residual, and my, my term for my vehicle ends in 23. So I just want to find out, is it better for me to pay off the residual now or wait when the term's almost like next year and get mm. a settlement value and maybe pay it off then? It okay. should be a better option. All right, Nilian, I'll ask Brian to answer that question after the na- the latest uh, news headlines. Of course, those re- residuals, those car residuals can be nasty pieces of finance to deal with. You need to put away a huge lump sum of money. It's 10.30. Utile Saku is standing by with your latest headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, you are live on The Talking Point and we continue to talk finance with Brian Hirsch. Uh, the number to use for this morning is 011-714-2006. Brian, uh, just uh, perhaps your own comments on some of the things that Tabo was raising and Neelan's question about his residual. Yeah, you know, let's just talk about residual. You know, you buy a motor car 
and you get a cost on a monthly basis to pay it off over five years, you can reduce that cost if you take a residual, which means you have a big balloon payment at the end. That big balloon mm-hmm. payment is a nightmare because in, in many cases, you, you know, if you want to hold, keep the car, you've got to find that very large amount of money. Let's say you buy a car for 200,000 and you're paying every month 4,000 rand a month. Come the end of the period, you're about to find 40 or 50,000 rand. So you've always got to do the calculation. If you, 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 you could maybe extend that, you could go and talk to them now and say, look, I don't want to pay this residual. I would rather extend my term for another two or three years and build in that residual if that is in your, in your budget. Or alternatively, um, if you're holding any cash, do the calculation. If they give you a discount on the residual now and you've got to make, let's assume you've got the residual is 10,000 and you've got 10,000 sitting in your bank and your 10,000 is earning 3 or 4% and in three years' time, that at 3%, you're going to have 11,000, and your residual is sitting at 12,000, but at the end of the period, it'll, if, if you pay it off now, it'll only be worth, they'll give you it at 9,000. You can see that it pa- pays you to pay off the residual. So you need to do the numbers and find out what discount they're going to give you for early payment and even talk maybe to another leasing company because you probably would have locked your rates in at a much higher rate and with interest rates being low, maybe you could refinance that vehicle with another company and find that you're actually saving on a monthly basis on the, on the installments. Mm-hmm. So, so what does he need to do? He needs to uh, get in touch, basically do the numbers in terms of... With the leasing what, company, yeah. find out what the residual is, find yeah. out if he, pays, if he pays the residual off now, how much will it be, how much will he have saved. Let's say they say the residual is 40000 and they say if you pay it off now, you can pay it off at 30000 Then calculate if he had 30000 and he invested it, would he be better off or worse off by paying the residual? Mm-hmm. The chances are he would be better off paying the residual. Okay. And so many people have got involved with residuals. Be very careful mm-hmm. when you buy a motor car with residual. It may sound good in the short term, but it catches up with you in the long term. And that's why so many people, what they do is when the car comes due in the five years, they actually sell the car, pay off the residual, and come out with nothing. Mm-hmm. And now they've got to start again from scratch. Normally, if you paid off a car after five years, you have got some value. Oh, Brian, this is such a big topic, and I think that we'll need to make it a focus for for one of these days. Just the terms and conditions of 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 those contracts that that we enter into, especially uh, when buying cars. I've got a couple of more WhatsApp voice notes for you. Um, let me kick it off with this one. Morning, Sister Kathy. It's Lebu here in the Western Cape, man. Can you please ask Brian Hesh as to what is the difference between government employees' pension fund and retirement annuity? Is it advisable to take a retirement annuity when you are also part of government pension fund? Can you please ask him to clarify what is the distinction between the two, please? Thank you. Brian? A government fund is, well, uh, uh, when you belong to a company, whether it be a commercial, private, or government, you're a member of a fund. A retirement annuity is an individual little pension fund that you buy, particularly for those self-employed people. 
But all employees do not contribute sufficient to their retirement funds. And therefore, what they should be doing, they should be supplementing their retirement funds with their own retirement annuity. So that closer to retirement and at retirement, they built up more savings rather than less. In most instances, government pension fund will not be sufficient at retirement. And most company funds, you know, one thing about government, more people tend to stay with government for longer than in the, in the private sector. Private sector people are moving around all the time. Mm. In government, people tend to stay. So those who've been in government for many, many years, I've got one such individual at the moment, he's going to get a phenomenal pension from, from government, enough to support him because he's been there 42 years. So... If you've had short service with government and you're older, supplement your government savings with your own individual retirement annuity. Whatever you contribute to that retirement annuity, in total, up to with, with your contribution to your government fund, up to 350,000 rand a year is tax deductible. So if you're paying 200,000 rand to your government pension fund, which has been deducted on a monthly basis, you still have room left to contribute to an your own retirement annuity, which is yours. You can stop it. You can retire any time after 55. It's got nothing to do linked in with your employment. It's your own retirement fund. Okay. Um, I'm going to take another WhatsApp voice note for you, Brian, before we wrap up today's segment. This is Kedra Lactromen Anonymous. I just want to ask your guest. I heard him saying you might think that you have insurance to find out when you want to claim that you don't have insurance. How does that work? Because, you know, if you see them taking demand all the time, and then how are they going to say you're not a member of them? Thank you. Brian? Um, I'm a little bit confused with that question. I'll, I'll deal with it the way I think I deal with it. The first thing I made the point is that often you're insured for things you don't know. Uh, you think you're insured for something and you're not. You think you're insured for your motor car, householders, all risks. Uh, and you think you're covering anything and you may not. Give you one perfect example. When you have the power failure and you have um, damage to electronic equipment at home, some policies will cover that, some policies won't. So the point I was making is understand what you're insured for and understand what you're not insured for. You may not be insured for everything. The other point he said something about a group. And I didn't really understand um, that particular point um, when he said something to do with the group because you don't buy your householders and all risks and you don't buy life insurance you can buy it in a group but that's normally when you're employed by a company when you have a pension or problem fund with a company not only are they putting you putting money away into the retirement portion for you they usually give you a multiple of salary of life cover in other words three times annual salary if you die there may be disability cover there may be a funeral cover all built in to that retirement program offered by that particular company. I know if you work for government, government do have all these extra benefits built into their current pension funds. Mm. Brian, let me thank you very much uh, again for today's segment. Really helpful and insightful. And like I said, I hope we're going to do something on um, you know the cars, but also how to actually... Uh, 
look through the insurance that people have taken out quite thoroughly and interrogate whether we know what it is that we are covered for, you know, so um, and, and making sure that we're all on the same page and also the role of brokers, Brian. I think that's also an, an important angle for us to pursue. Uh, so just, just before I let you go, perhaps your contact details. Zero one one double eight zero four triple eight zero one one double eight zero four triple eight. Please leave all your numbers where you can be contacted, where you're phoning from with your question. If I can't get hold of you, someone in your area will contact you and they're mentioning my name. Thank you again, Brian. So Brian Hirsch, he'll be back with us again uh, next week, Tuesday from 10 o'clock, a very important uh, segment here. And I think it's always so helpful. You always learn uh, something new. And today it's the New Year financial resolutions. <laughs> and I think my resolution is to look at the fine print, you know, pay attention to the fine print, understand what it is that you have actually taken out in whatever policy or insurance you have. We'll take a quick break and then after this, we'll get straight into our personal development session. Today, we're talking about social networking and how it can improve your own um, uh, 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 goals in terms of whatever career it is that you're pursuing.